Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Grace. Welcome to Triumph, the podcast, where we chat about all things swim, bike, run, in the lead up to our first Ironman. Whether you're a triathlon newbie, old-timer, or you simply enjoy listening to the trials and tribulations of two aspiring Ironwomen, we bring you all the oomph you never knew you needed. Yeah, let me know when you've finished eating your crisps and we'll begin. It's important to stay on top of your nutrition. <laughs> Absolutely. How was your commitment last week? Oh, I can't remember what it was. Was it not to do anything until I wanted to do something? Yes. Yeah, I didn't do very much. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, because, of, because you and other people were saying to me, don't worry, your mojo will come back. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, just, just you know, go with the flow. Take a couple of days off. You'll find yourself like, desperate to get back on the bike, desperate to get back in the pool. And that didn't happen. And then I got to the point where I was like, I've got to do something, especially because you, we were talking and you said, oh, I've got to do a swim at the weekend. I've got to do four. Oh, no, never mind. Doesn't matter. Like, well, it wasn't going to be 400 metres, was it? <laughs> I'd set off to go and prove to myself and the whole world that I'm capable of swimming 3.8 kilometres, H, not seven. And I did in a wetsuit. And you also have always wanted to scope out that ride wanted to try it out just to see how far it is turns out it's quite far but it's also very very beautiful on the canal path and on the river pathway so it was a lovely day out how about you and your commitments mine was to go through my daniel bingham lingo bingo list and to make sure that i did all the things that i hadn't done let me just have a look okay i've like done one of those things <laughs> how many did you have to do seven okay i've done two of those things quite a lot of them involve me buying things mm -hmm. and I haven't done the buying of the things right it's most unlike me mm -hmm. but one of them was like read about what Vichy are going to give you at each station oh yeah what are they going to give us so I printed off loads of course information and and I did find some of that information but it also says we'll give you more detail two weeks before the event so I don't Quite, I don't think it's quite out there yet. So still sort of waiting on that. But I did do lots and lots of reading about the course, which I thought was good. So lots of things to buy. And the other thing that I did do was I tried to enjoy the purity a bit more. But I only really did that and swim because I really enjoy swimming. <laughs> so I cheated a bit. That's I had a lovely experience at the lake. But when I came out, there was a lady. So there were some some steps as you came out of the lake. Yeah. And so she, we were climbing up these steps and she said, hello. And so I said, hello. And I said, are you okay? And she said, yes, I've just swum 400 meters for the first time ever. And I said, well, that's great. You should be so proud of yourself. How long ago did you start swimming? And she said, well, I started not very long ago, but I learned, I was swimming in lanes in the swimming pool and I found it really stressful and I couldn't get my breathing and I just wasn't enjoying the whole experience. This sounds like a made-up story. This is like a, and then I met this, this <laughs> wise woman who told me, uh, it's like you've tried everything you can to help me swim and now you've met a woman on some... A wizard. <laughs> <laughs> if you take these magic beans, you too shall float. And she said, so open water swimming has been a blessing for me because she said, I just feel the freedom. Not constricted by the lanes anymore. 
Yeah, and she said, and, and obviously I don't have the stress of other people around me being faster or slower. I can take it at my pace and I can stop when I want. I can do breaststroke for a bit. She said, so I am pretty proud of myself. And I said, well, I think that's lovely and you should be. And it's a glorious day for it. And now comes the best bit because you get to go and treat yourself to a nice yeah. shower and whatever you like, hot chocolate or whatever. Mm. And she said, yeah. So that's my little story. I was going to say, should we just address the elephant in the room? The current restrictions on travel mean that I won't be able to do it. But we're going to just carry on and act as if I can, just in case the rules change and I can do it. Well, we are because we're going to be, we're just going to take each day as it comes. And so on that basis, if it stays as it is, you won't do it. I will. But if the situation gets better, you may be able to do it. And if the situation gets worse, I also may not be able to do it. So, yeah, let's leave it at that. Pack your trunk. Back to the circus. Well, that's done. So this is our Q&A special. I mean, we were inundated. Overwhelmed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to be honest about Midgelar providing a lot of the questions that I like. Very inquisitive chap. (laughs) (laughs) He's very curious. He's quite curious. Yes. We should have, that's how we should have advertised it. We would have got more questions if we'd used that hashtag. Well, I think there were two problems with the Q&A special. One was that I didn't give people very long to submit their questions because I completely forgot. Is the other one that is not very special? No, the other one is, I think we're so intimidating. People do struggle to approach us, given our right. exceptional standards of yeah. knowledge and wisdom. yeah, yeah. yeah. Before we go into swim, bike, run, mm-hmm. there's a question that we did receive a little while ago now okay. from Phil. The reason I want to answer this question now is because it pertains to heart rate zones, I believe. And yeah. I talk about them so much that I thought, poor Phil, he can't listen to another episode almost all the way through without knowing what I'm going on about. He can't get on with his life, Grace. He's just waiting. Well, when did he send this? The 4th of July. He's been stagnant since that point. The question is, uh, dear bonkers and buff. Well, he's got that wrong for a start because it's bonky and buffer. For anyone who hasn't listened to our earlier podcasts, why are you called bonky? Because I I have been known to bonk on the bike. Why are you called buff? For... Well, I can't tell you why lots of people call me buff. I mean, that's for them. I don't want to. I don't want to presuppose why they might call me that. But the reason you called me buffer is because when I cycle in front of you, you get a nice wind buffer, and it creates a nice draft for you to cycle in. And also because we just thought it was funny because we just sound like two really posh women out on our bikes. Buffer, what do you want for tea? Oh, cream cakes. Anything from oh. Waitrose. <laughs> He is enjoying the podcast. He hopes we get to do the Ironman. And he has a question. And he talk, he's asking about heart rate zones. How do they work? How do you find them out? How do you pace yourself to be in zone three, for example, when running? Because he, having listened to us, he is tempted to buy a Garmin with a heart rate monitor, but be interested to know what it's all about. And he fully accepts that he could look this up. And Phil, may I recommend that you do do that? <laughs> but also... Here is our expert, Grace. Okay, so it's a complicated subject. I will try to make it simple as far as I understand it. 
So this is heavily caveated with, I am not a scientist, but I've just done lots of reading about it. There are five heart rate zones. It's easiest for me to just cover them in reverse, I think, because I think it's easier to understand. Zone five is very close, so it's your maximum heart rate, which is generally taken to be 220 minus your age. So in my case, I'll be very transparent about this. 220 minus my age. What is that, please? 180. <laughs> That's not very transparent, is it? <laughs> easier if I do it because I'm 179. Oh, that is easy. Let's do it for you then. So 179 beats per minute is your maximum heart rate. Now, caveated with that will change from person to person. Some people will naturally be able to go a bit higher and some people will just have a little bit of a slower paced heart and so they will go a bit lower. So zone five will incorporate 179 and it will also extend a little bit below that. So it covers off that area where you are flat out. It's anaerobic exercise by this point. It is all out sprint type workouts. And mm. so you cannot sustain those for very long at all. You can use them in training. You can do fast intervals. You can do a test to find out your max heart rate. So you can be a little bit more precise than 220 minus your age. You can do a test that involves running up hills and doing it again, which forces you to the very top of very upper limits. Good. Zone five. Zone four incorporates your lactate threshold, which is a point at which your body can't flush away the lactic acid it's building up quick enough because it's working so hard. So you start to get that feeling, you know, like when you're running, it starts to really burn in your thighs and possibly other muscles, calves and whatever. So then you know that you're around about threshold and threshold also sits then in this zone four area. So it's a hard effort. It feels like a workout. You're sweating. You can't really talk to anybody other than to kind of go, I'm, I'm doing a threshold. I'm in zone four. I like to think of that as sort of equating to a, your 5k slash 10k run pace you wouldn't be able to sustain it any longer than that. So it's a, um, you can, t again, you can test for it. And in our training plans, we have tested for it, haven't we, at regular points. And you do a 30-minute all-out run. So you're pacing yourself. It's not all-out as in max, let me just go as fast as I can. You're pacing yourself to last for 30 minutes, but you are making sure that by the end of it, you're spent. Mm. So that's zone four. Zone three, then, is this kind of sub-threshold area. Zone three is probably the hardest to achieve. You don't feel like it's easy. You're getting on for working up a sweat. I quite like zone three. Zone three is probably yeah. my favourite, yeah. Because okay. it feels like you're working, but you're not working flat out. Yeah, it's that sort of sub-threshold effort. So it's a little bit more, you, you're getting into the point where you can't talk, you're starting to sweat, but you're not quite getting that burning, those burning sensations. So that's a little bit, for me, I just find that a bit of a tricky area, but you obviously like that. So that's, that's good to know. Oh, and we reach my favourite zone. Mm. I love zone two. <laughs> you just, it's basically sort of jogging. In running terms, it'd be jogging. So you're definitely out of walking pace, but you can talk and you can sustain that for a really long time. And that's why we do loads of our training in zone two, because we are actually training our bodies to be efficient in zone two so that we can 
go for a really long time. It's still exercise. It's still a race pace of sorts, Mm -hmm. but it's an endurance race pace. And then there's zone one, which is really a kind of some of some of my workouts are listed as zone one slash zone two. They tend to be the ones in recovery week. So it's really just about keeping you moving. It's like active recovery just to stop you going, okay, well, I'll spend the, the week sitting on the sofa. And you just keep things ticking over. So I haven't gone into the science behind the numbers. And I do understand the science behind the numbers. And I follow it quite religiously. So that is something that Phil will want to look into. A very effective training method that has been proven to be effective and is quite commonly used and one that I use and that Phil Mosley who wrote my training plan uses is the 80-20 split and so you do 80% of your training in zone two and then 20% of your training in zones four and possibly five and and that way you kind of those little bursts that you do the 20% that kind of increases your fitness over time and then the the majority that you're doing in zone two increases, increases your stamina and endurance capability. It's also a much safer way to train, just not putting so much pressure on your joints, especially when you're training for something big. It's much better to be doing the lighter, what feels like lighter zone two work, but also just being mindful of what pressures you're putting your body and your heart and your respiratory system and everything else under so what for me one of the huge benefits of the Garmin watch and I'm sure other brands do similar things but one of the huge benefits so it will tell you so although you might feel like oh this feels like like exactly what you're just saying like this feels like more of a jog than a run or now I feel like I'm really putting myself under pressure you can kind of gauge where you think you are in your zones you can actually set it on your watch little prompts to tell you to put you in the right zone which is quite helpful can be quite annoying but also just the information it gives you I was reading something the other day about a woman on Instagram who's posting about her she's got the same watch as me and she said she took a photograph of the screen where it said unproductive you need to rest yeah she said the reason I spent so much money on this what I researched which watch to get and I decided to get this watch was because I wanted to get this information if I don't listen to it when it's telling me I've overdone it and I need to rest. What's the point? And although you need to also check in with yourself and how you're feeling, like don't just rely on the wearable tech. I think it's I think it's really, really helpful and it's really interesting. Yeah, likewise. And I think you'd agree with me in suggesting if Phil is going to do that, that he accompanies that with a heart rate monitor as well, rather than just relying on the wrist-based heart rate monitor. You tr- strap it on around your chest and it and it's much closer to your heart, whereas the, if you're just relying on the watch, it's just taking it from your pulse. And I just wanted to add at the end, which is something that you alluded to, obviously the way I've described it there, I've kind of gone on in a weird way. I've described heart rate, heart rate zones in terms of rate of perceived exertion, which is another way of monitoring training. But you can obviously look into exactly what percentages match up and then you can look into your own values. But like Charlotte has said today and before, just sort of pair it with, a knowledge of yourself and how it feels and that's why I want to describe it in those terms because that's yeah. what I've done over time is I've looked at the watch okay that's the zone I'm in how does that feel and then I've tried to learn from the watch how I feel in those zones so that I don't need to look at the watch and because we were talking about whether we were going to wear it heart rate monitor on the day I am it's part of my tapering sort of my gradual tapering and kind of wearing it for fewer and fewer sessions so that I can feel how I feel. Shall we jump in the pool or open water? 
Um, open water now. Let's jump in the open water. Why is the order swim, bike, run? Well, I don't, you can't ask me a question I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Have you never thought about it? No, I've never thought about it. Do you know the answer? Only what I think the answer is. Why don't you say what you think? I'll Google it. And Okay. When I first ever did a triathlon, I thought, this is stupid. They've got this wrong. The thing you want to do at the end of a big triathlon is jump in the water and cool off and have a nice swim. Why would they not put that at the end? And then I realised, I think they've done it in order of safety. So you're going to be gradually more exhausted as you go along. So you start off the swim, which is the highest risk of dying. You then get on the bike, second highest risk of troubles, because you don't want to be getting on the bike really, really tired because you might crash and die. At your most exhausted when you get to running, and the worst thing that happens when you're running is you fall over and, and you don't fall from a height and you don't drown. You just fall over and you graze your knees and you feel silly. That's my theory on it. Well, I don't believe that you haven't looked this up. Oh, yeah. The order of a traditional triathlon swim bike run is based on two things, safety issues and smooth transitions. So they do it in order of most likely to be dangerous if affected by fatigue to least likely to be dangerous if affected by fatigue. Okay, so that's a slightly better, cleverer way of saying it. But that is what you said. Well, I mean, it's a shame we're not getting points this week, isn't, isn't it? it? You. On to Elliot's questions, which are, I think they're just lovely little questions that we can ask each other in each discipline. What is your biggest fear on the day with swim? Sharks. Can you be serious, please? Otherwise, it's going to take a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest fear on the day with the swim is probably getting kicked in the face. Well, now I'm worried about dunking. <laughs> <laughs> because you sent me an article about one of the Brownleys being disqualified or penalised because of disqualified, disqualified. A dunking. I don't know what that means, and I don't want to look it up. That hadn't <laughs> been a worry, but now it's a worry. I think the same applies to me on that one because I'm quite happy if I'm just swimming about on my own, but it's when other people get involved that the problems start. Shall I ask his next question in this discipline? Shall we do yeah, why not? a little midgelar mojito <laughs> questions? I don't know, little midgelar mix. And this is inspired by me saying that my school friend, Gemma, as I've said in a previous podcast, she said that she treated herself to music in training and then she had about six anthems that she played in her head on the day mm -hmm. to get her through so he was saying what's your anthem for swim I would love to go away and think about this and have some great answer to the question but I get I get really annoying things like Christmas tunes in my head <laughs> <laughs> If I could actually play the DJ in my head, I'd have Don't Stop Me Now. I think go, go for something that you want it to be, yeah. So I pointed out to Sam once that her songs were all like, Don't Stop Me Now, and she also has Don't Rain On My Parade. They're all a little bit negative. They're like, don't, don't you do this. It's not very kind of like positive, like, I'm amazing. Yeah, it's, like, it's more like, don't you stop me. Yeah, don't you try and stop doing this thing. <laughs> My progress, yeah. <laughs> so so you I'd rather have something more heroic and kind of just positive, but I can't, I'm sorry, I can't think of it. This is very much your area of expertise. I'm going to hand over to you. 
I would have um, Moana, the song from Moana. How is it called? How far I'll go? Because she's a little girl that grows up in um, on an island, and then she she wants to escape the island. It's like a Disney film. It's lovely. She goes on a raft, and I'd obviously be swimming. And no, there's no telling how far she'll go. Go once she goes. There's no how telling. It, how does the actual song go? Like <laughs> I'm gonna have to start at the beginning and then sing the bit I know. Okay. I'm just getting to the chorus. Hang on. Yeah. We'll wait. Grace is a professional opera singer. Because she sounds like she's trapped in a small box. Let me out. Um, I'll get there in a minute. If the wind in my sail on the sea stays behind me. One day I'll know if I go. I've done that wrong. I've done the last verse. But anyway, there's just no telling how far I'll go. <laughs> I mean, it's so true. And especially true for you, since we're not sure that you, you know the distance. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> but on that, that lends itself very nicely to my next question from a colleague of mine who wanted to know, why is it 3.8 kilometres? And why is it 180 kilometres for the bike? And why is it... Well, I've got no idea. Again, do you want to guess and I'll see if you get it right? Okay. Oh, I do know this. It was the people who first invented Iron Man. It was like three guys got drunk and were in a pub and they sort of said, right, what would be the hardest, you know, event ever? And they, it, it was actually a course. So they, I can't remember where they were. I think they were in America somewhere. And I think they said, right, we'll swim out to here and come around here and back here and then you get back. Oh, really? Um, when they recorded it later, it turned out it was 3.8 kilometres. And then the bike was similar. It was just a course that they just plotted out. And they're like, right, well, if we cycle all the way around here and around here. And then and then some bright spark at the end of the evening went, let's do a marathon at the end of it. And they went, yeah, okay. Mid-Pacific Roadrunners and Waikiki Swim Club. The members had long been debating which athletes were more fit, runners or swimmers. And so then this kind of, this kind of seems to go on for a while. There were long-distance competitions already on the island. So is this in Hawaii? Yeah, I think it... Where's Waikiki? Waikiki is a neighbourhood in Hawaii. Is that one of the questions? Waikiki? <laughs> Why not Kiki? Oh, here we go. The single-day endurance event, now known as the Iron Man, was the brainchild of Judy and John Collins, a couple who moved from California to Hawaii in 1975, to be honest. But I think it was basically... It was the, it was the course that came first, and then they measured it out, and were like, okay, well, that is 180. But and the 70.3 that you might hear us talk about is half... Is a half Ironman, and it's the seventy point three is annoying because it's not in kilometres. That's the total mileage. Oh, that is annoying. Final question from Elliot for the swim round: What is the best advice you've been given? So it's another eighty twenty split, yeah. but eighty percent technique, twenty percent effort always stays with me. So it helps me to relax when I'm in the water. What about you? It's, it's complicated to explain but everyone talks about keeping your head down when you're swimming and that hasn't worked for me but when they talk about pressing your chest down because like as if you're as if you're pushing down an inflated balloon or something and you're trying to push it down below the water um and you really kind of feel actually pushing it down that's really helped me and also a, a thing that I came up with myself this weekend Oh, right. So this is the best piece of advice you could give someone. The best piece of advice I could give someone. <laughs> I'm not. The best piece of advice I, 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 I gave myself. 
recently. <laughs> to get the catch-up drill feeling, you know how I love an analogy? Mm. Well, my new analogy is that imagine there is a paddleboard or a kayak, which I, re- I understand you've recently been toying with. Oh, I'm becoming a kayaker. That's my next job. Things to do. <laughs> and so that, just thinking about, like, if I let go of this, I'm going to lose momentum and then I'm going to, like, I'm, okay. I'm going to fall behind. So that's really, really helped me. Let's get in the saddle. Not in the saddle. That's a horsing reference. You can't use that. Let's get on the saddle. Yeah, and whilst we're getting on the saddle, get the right saddle. So I've got the same questions from, from Midla. So what's your biggest fear on the day on the bike? Not beating you. <laughs> well, I don't think I really don't think you have to worry about that. <laughs> Might happen. All the data suggests you're going to be absolutely fine in that goal. Exactly. That's why I'm mainly worried about it. Okay. Um, so that is your biggest fear. But it might, that probably won't be realised. Oh, getting lost. If I somehow go off course, <laughs> I'll be absolutely stuffed. That'll be me. <laughs> I'd say that's more realistic. Yes. <laughs> if I somehow, like, miss one of the markers and just off I go. And the worst thing about me is that I'll just keep going in because I'm such an optimist, I'll be like, I know I can't see anyone. I know this doesn't feel like the course, but this must be right. If I just keep going, I'm sure I'll see people again and I'll get to the food station and I'll just keep going. What's your biggest fear on the bike? Well, I think it's bonking because obviously I could worry about falling off and stuff like that, but I feel like that's sort of out of my control and that's why bonking would be worse because, I mean, obviously... The consequences might not be worse. I could have a horrible crash. That would be awful. But it would kind of rule me out in a way that wouldn't make me feel like, wouldn't make me feel bad. Whereas if I bonked on the day, it would be like all my training and all my preparation, all my knowledge about what nutrition I need and timing and pace had gone out the window. And that would be down to me not being sensible. Daft, isn't it? When you've done training rides of like five, well, I've done a few now, but sort of five, five and a half hours. And just feel like that's not necessary, Grace. You need, yeah. to, you need to get over that now. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. I mean, that is never has that been more appropriate. What's your anthem on the bike? Have you heard of the song Don't Stop Me Now by Queen? <laughs> <laughs> She's going at the speed of life. That's going to get very boring, sort of 15 hours of Don't Stop Me Now. You're going to hate me when you're, when you're doing it and you, all you've got in your head is Don't Stop Me Now. One of my favourite tracks, taste and status no problem but he does say I move like water I go with the flow so that obviously pertains to swimming a bit more but I but I just I love it all queen I've got this image of me overtaking someone but I think it's not going to happen but I might overtake one person and yeah. in that moment that is when I shall think it's no problem for me but it's a problem for you and if it's Especially me, it's it a problem for both of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yes, yeah, so at the weekend, I was with my friends Natalie and Paul. And in particular, my friend Natalie really struggles in the heat. She was like, how are you going to do it in this heat or worse? Because the swim I'm kind of looking forward to mm. <laughs> in the heat. No, I'm not, because then you don't get to wear a wetsuit, crazy lady. <laughs> yeah. I, hope it's a, I hope it's a remarkably and unseasonably chilly morning. <laughs> <laughs> 
how many rides have you done, like races or long rides in extreme heat? The ATAP that I did in 2015, I had to sit down on the side of the road under a tree and force myself to eat something and down a whole Biden of water just to make sure that I could keep going. The heat was just excessive. It was, you know, it was that kind of when you put suntan lotion on and it's just coming straight off because you've just got too much sweat. You're just kind of like, what's the point of even putting this on? And just that all you want to do is put a cold flannel on yourself. And it was horrendous. All you can really attempt to do is the best sunblock money can buy. Um, like you said, a white jersey or something that's going to yeah. cover you in that respect in white in colour. And you always said to me about getting a white helmet so I don't mm-hmm. absorb unnecessary heat in that respect. Good sunglasses. Good sunglasses. I think also, and then it's about nutrition, then it's about yeah. it's about forcing yourself to eat, forcing yourself to drink. Keep drinking. I don't, I, I don't actually think when you're cycling in that kind of heat, you can overhydrate. I think you just keep drinking. This is where a little tip from my friend Gemma, who's done an Ironman, comes in useful. She said, every time you get to a station and there's an ice cube on offer, drop it down your dry suit. So it's really... That's exciting! (laughs) (laughs) She said it's just such a lovely sensation, so don't... Well, that was... So one of the lovely things on the ATAP was that because it's... Because the ATAP is a stage of the Tour de France and all the idiot amateurs, i.e. me and my friends, go through the week before the tour actually goes through that stage all the crowds are already there because they're there oh, in anticipation so, of, nice. of, so you get all these crowds who obviously aren't there for you but they're there cheering you on and you get these like there was one bit where you've just got kids standing outside their front doors with a hose just hosing you down it was just oh it was I wanted I just loved all those people who'd come out onto the streets to give you sweets or to yeah. hose you down or whatever it was just the best uh, what's the best advice you've been given or could give someone about being on the bike so that's Elliot another of Elliot's questions <laughs> again I'm going to refer to some advice I gave you and all my other female friends recently is to buy I can't remember the name of it now the specialized um saddle that I've bought because oh my goodness it's life-changing it takes the pressure off the places where there shouldn't be any pressure. And actually, I don't think this is specific to women at all. It's about soft tissue and um, men have the same problem. And it's about putting the pressure that you get from the saddle on your bones and on your skeleton rather than on any soft tissue. And it is good advice. I'm going com- to combine it. It's going to be a little bit from you, but topped up with something from, you know, those two guys who are on YouTube and they... Oh, the GCN guys. That I think that's them. They they're always on their bikes giving you advice as they cycle yeah. around. So yeah, them. You, you said to me at the beginning, never stop pedaling. And that served me really well in my training. They topped that up by saying they were talking about how to improve your average speed. And they were saying, take it easy on the hills. Don't yeah. bust a gut and have these kind of spikes in yeah. effort which cause you problems in the long run. Keep it sort of, the aim was to keep it consistent overall, which I think ties into a never stop pedaling. So you adjust your gears to your cadence so that you, you can keep pedaling. So now I take hills really easy, but I don't get too worn out. And my overall pace is, yeah, it's very consistent, quite reliable. And I feel like unless something unexpected befalls me, mm-hmm. I'll be able to achieve that every time I go out on the bike. 
as opposed to this kind of wing and a prayer approach of like, I'm going to get this hill and then I've got nothing left. Let's go for a run, Grace. Yeah, so running then. Have you got anything yeah. to ask first? <laughs> no, when we first did these podcasts, you were like, let's go for a run. Yeah, run. Woohoo, run. Now you're like, so running then. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a question. Grace, what is your running anthem? But that's Elliot's question. I know. I'm doing the switcheroo, so you, you're not always asking the questions. Gosh, what's wrong with you? I'm trying to be professional here. You know, but you can't make it sound like it's your question randomly. Hey, Grace, got a question from Mr. Midgler of Dorsetshire. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to go for one of my favourite songs of all time, Tiny Temper, Pass Out, because Elliot and I, Elliot was reading me the lyrics in the pub the other day. I mean, I won't go through them all, but it does go, and we can do this until we pass out. <laughs> yeah. So that's very apt. What about you? What anthem? Because if I make it to the run, I'm, de- I'm going to be singing that. All the way around. I don't know any of the words, just the chorus. Oh, and there's the fitness. Can you translate that into French for the French audience? Oui. <laughs> Alors, regardez-moi. Je suis très fit. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same yeah, poetic ring to it. No. So what's your biggest fear on the run? We're going to have to cover this very, very quickly because this genuinely is my biggest fear. Just in life in general, I suffer from a phobia. You know what it is. I have a metaphobia, which means I get very anxious about people being sick. There is a very high chance of people either having done that or doing that whilst I'm running. And it genuinely causes me real anxiety and concern yeah I really think no let's not talk about it move on what's your biggest fear about the running (laughs) oh my biggest fear is injury is I've got a few little niggles my biggest fear at the moment is that my IT band which is a very common problem in runners my IT band sort of tightens right up and then that causes at the moment it's causing me a lot of hip pain where it the the band rubs over your hip and sort of inflames and that's just painful that's my biggest fear that that stops me or makes me feel so rotten that I can't well that's when you'll need don't stop me now in your back pocket you will not be witnessing the fitness (laughs) (laughs) and what's the best advice you've been given or could give somebody about running well, this goes back to the coaching episode with Gene Hooper saying, just do it. Mine is shorten your stride. <laughs> but I think it's very specific to me. I have this idea of you just like twinkle toes, like like um, <laughs> like Freddie, Fred Flintstone when he's running in the bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like a dressage pony. Yeah, that as well. <laughs> no, because that's precisely the point about staying uh, low as well, like keeping it, you know, not bouncing up and down. But yeah, I've definitely learned to shorten my stride and that has really improved my run, my whole running experience. Also helps with my IT band. I'm running out of steam. Let's uh, go into transition. Okay. We're in there. I'm running around like a headless chicken. Where's my bike? And I'm saying, you've just done the run. What are you looking for your bike for, weirdo? 
I'm bonking. I'm bonking. <laughs> there endeth Midge Law's questions for each discipline. And I've yeah. now got, got another question from... Another avid listener. Yeah, from Carmen. She's a friend of mine. And she said, what has been the biggest surprise on the journey to Ironman, training for Ironman? And what's the most random fact you've learned? Should I do mine? Because I know... Yeah, go on. The biggest surprise has been how much I love swimming. Aww. I just get something new out of it every time I swim. I love it. Love it. Nothing takes me by surprise. That's one of my superpowers. <laughs> Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So there, there are no surprises. Ask me on the 23rd of August. What's the most random fact you've learned? But I think the first time I ever did anything like a triathlon, which was the amateur one that my friend set up in Lorraine, it's a lot of the transition rules. So things like nobody can help you with your wetsuit. When you think about that, obviously that makes sense. Like if you had like everyone had their like friend helping them in and out of their wetsuit, that would just be chaos. I think you have to have your helmet on and buckled up before you even touch your bike. Obviously you can run out of transition one with your bike. Hmm go from the swim into the bike but you can't get on your bike until you go over a certain marker and if you do get on your bike before that marker you can get disqualified or penalized or you get points or whatever there's things like drafting rules where some um, triathlons you're not allowed to draft other people on the bike some you are allowed to it's actually the transition rules that are probably the most random kind of like oh god I didn't even think I'd have to think about that but I clearly do need to think about that yeah, and actually the fact that transition is sort of part of the event and part of the sport and it's where people who are really serious, i.e. not us, mm. practice it and practice it to get their Well, the fact that some people won't wear socks because putting on socks and taking off socks is like seven seconds. I'm like, see, yeah. I mean, obviously, if I nearly win the Ironman, but I lose out in my age group by seven seconds, I'll be gutted and I'll look at those socks and I'll go, <laughs> come on, you. Yeah, I think it's all those things that are peculiar to triathletes as well, isn't it? I, one thing that always comes back to me that I tell people that you told me from your friend Becky, from her husband Reston, <laughs> that people strap pork pies to their bikes. Like, if that's their choice nutrition, I find that quite random. I don't anymore, but when I first... Yeah, that's the thing, you get like, used to this stuff and it's no longer random, is it? But yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and when people are asking me about it, I'm trying to think of the things that shock people when I tell them. I mean, the very fact that the distances normally make people go, what? Mm. <laughs> what a terrible idea. And then when you add into that the cutoff times and the fact yeah. that you can't really go through the whole thing and then find out you're not an Iron Man. You, you could. could and not get a T-shirt. You could. It's a very real risk. But if you were really far behind, you would sort of know somewhere quite early on because they have these staged cutoffs. So you would sort of get an inkling that you weren't on target. But yeah, the fact that you could, at the very least, get all the way to the venue, start the thing, and then not make a cutoff, and then not achieve your goal. So a question from my beloved husband, Nobby. Oh, yeah. Who is Where's my dinner? <laughs> yeah, is waiting to come in. When can I come into the lounge to eat my dinner? Yeah. Ha- having known what we have gone through in training and have having lived it, 
with me mm. what will we miss the most about training or preparing for an Ironman I feel like really sad I am sad yeah it makes you sad doesn't it huh <laughs> why did you say it like that well because I think you sort of think the whole thing's a bit of a ball ache and you sort of wish it was over and then all of a sudden you go no oh, I've been yeah. saying since last year what we're going to do after the Ironman's over we've got no excuse to call each other up every day and talk about our <laughs> movements <laughs> so that's the thing you'll miss the most <laughs> yeah I think to an extent I'll sort of miss moaning about it <laughs> I love the discipline and I like there's something very sort of masochistic about it. I'm saying to people, you know, I'm doing this, I'm going to do it. That's how I stay accountable is by telling people I'm going to do things until I've done it. So I think I'll sort of miss having that. I don't think I'll miss <laughs> anything about it. Apart from the, I'll miss the low level anxiety of can I do it? Because once I've tried to do it, I'll know whether I can do it or not. So I'll miss that, the not knowing. It's, it's um, what's his name's box, isn't it? Schrodinger. Yeah. <laughs> it's not his box, it's his cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's the, the, once we've opened Schrodinger's box, we'll know what's inside or not. That for me is the thing that I'll genuinely miss, is they're like, ooh. Mm. But I, won't, I don't think I'll miss, I know that I'll carry on, I think I'll probably carry on doing tries or definitely doing some kind of stuff. Well, that's funny because you said a few weeks ago, I'm not sure my future is in try. Did I? Yeah, you said it on the podcast. Oh. When you bought your bike, you said, I bought Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, I did say that. But no, I, well, I don't. Yeah, okay. And incidentally, I've reached a point where I don't think my future is in triathlon. I, I, oh, what a way to tell me. I'm so, so glad that I've got back into training, back into sport. I will never again not let it be quite a big part of my life. Not quite as big a part as it is right now. Promise myself I'll never lose it again, whatever sport seems appropriate at the time. But I just don't think I'm going to bust a gut to do triathlons. I think I will definitely keep up swimming and probably go back to rowing at some point. I've enjoyed my kayaking experience. I will always run as long as I can run because it's easy to do and it doesn't cost you anything. And mm. now I've got a lovely bike. I'm definitely gonna on a nice day. So you're gonna carry on swimming, cycling, and running, just not doing triathlons. I just don't know that I need to do them all together. I just not. I see. I I will part because I think because I really like the tri community. It's the first sort of sporting community I've joined where men really really support women. Women really really support other women and also some men. And you've got age group specific categories. I think because everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses in it. There's a real sort of community spirit to it and I really really like that. I've not found that in rowing. I didn't I didn't didn't find that in cycling when I was cycling. I absolutely second that. I mean, the tri community you guys you, you guys guys no but i i'm being serious it is so yeah. supportive unconditionally supportive i've got one more question then we need oh my to... goodness right. it's from paul what's the first thing you'll treat yourself to when you finish the iron man little sit down <laughs> <laughs> he said to me i bet i know yours i bet it's a pepperami and i was like no i'll have 20 pepperamis by then i <laughs> do I quite like a beer. 
Yeah, I'm thinking a glass of wine. No, I think you're right. A beer, glass of wine is not going to cut it. A beer. Yeah, once I've actually rehydrated with some boring stuff. A beer. We're going to have a beer. Whether yeah. we are together or apart, at that moment, a beer will be consumed. There will be a Zoom beer if there's not a real beer. Yeah, can we say that? Okay. Yeah. So, what is your commitment for the coming week? Well, the training plan this week is quite sort of recovery-based, isn't it? It's quite easy going. Yeah, it is. But I did, I quite enjoyed last week doing, proving to myself that I could do the swim distance. I'm not going to do the full run distance, but I'm going to go for a very, very, very long run. I'm going to keep this commitment very light because, as you say, it's a recovery week. But I'm going to do the thing you said. I'm going to, you keep talking about this chest down thing. When oh, you're yeah. And I keep forgetting and then not trying it out. So I'm going to try that out. All right. All right. So if you have any questions for us, you've missed your chance. You can't answer. Yeah. Too late. That's it. Too late. No, please, please keep them coming in. We will return next week with some sort of theme, won't we? Format. <laughs> Plan, structure. Some semblance of order. Order. Mm. Keep your questions coming in. Keep your comments coming in. Thank you very much. All the people who said nice things. And you can email us. Triumph, T-R-I-O-O-M-P-H at gmail.com. Or on our Instagram account, which is try underscore oomph lovely so thank you Charlotte for your time no thank you for your time thank you to Redmond for producing and speak to you next week see you next week bye bye ciao it's a wave finish it's a wave finish ciao bella ciao